everyone, and welcome to the Homicide Homegirls podcast, a weekly true crime podcast examining the true crime cases that fascinate and intrigue us. I'm Arielle. And I'm Amanda. Thanks for joining us. We can't wait to share the details of this wild episode with you. Today, we're going to discuss the murder of David Lynn Harris, a well-respected, successful orthodontist from Texas. Although David seemed to have it all, a thriving orthodontic practice, beautiful wife and family, and multiple homes, things weren't exactly as they seemed. And in the summer of 2002, David Harris's life came to a crashing halt when he was mowed down in a parking lot of a hotel by his wife, Clara. First, we're going to give a little bit of background on David's wife, Clara. Clara Harris was born in Bogota, Colombia in 1957. When she was six years old, her father died. Losing her father deeply affected Clara throughout her life, as I would assume it would affect anyone. But Clara wanted more than anything to make her father proud. As a result, Clara worked hard in school and eventually came to America to study dentistry. In 1991 in Houston, Texas, on fellowship, which, as most of us know, okay, maybe just me from Grey's Anatomy, is the period that a doctor, or in this case, a dentist, undergoes after completing their residency. Clara met David Harris, a recent divorcee, with a young daughter named Lindsay. The two were immediately smitten with each other. Smitten, that's a fun word. According to all of Clara's friends, Clara was drop-dead gorgeous, which immediately drew David in. On Valentine's Day, 1992, Clara and David were married at the Windmere Yacht Club in Nassau Bay, Texas, a suburb of Houston, right next to a Hilton hotel. I know mentioning the hotel sounds crazy, but it's going to come into play later in this story. Clara and David were quickly inseparable. If you saw Clara out, David was always with her. After their marriage, Clara soon encouraged David to rekindle their relationship with his daughter, Lindsay. Honestly, this is pretty amazing and exactly how all step-parents should be, in my opinion, because when you marry someone who has kids, you're not only making a vow to your spouse, you're also making a vow to their kids as well. Right. So I really respect Clara for that. According to most sources, David had not seen much of Lindsay since his divorce from Lindsay's mother in 1991. Clara quickly became close to Lindsay. The Harrises spent the next few years building both of their practices, Clara as a dentist and David as an orthodontist. In September of 1998, Clara gave birth to twin boys, Brian and Bradley. By the time the twins were born, both David and Clara's dental practices were taking off. By 2001, they had a new, beautiful 9,000-square-foot home in Texas, a cottage on the lake, and a ski chalet in Colorado. 9,000 square foot? Seriously? (laughs) Who needs that much house? My house could fit into that house eight times. That is obnoxious. No, not jealous at all. (laughs) Clara loved entertaining and often hosted parties. According to her family and friends, Clara was the most gracious host, always making her guests feel welcome and at home. Clara was also a perfectionist, so all the parties she threw included immaculate decorations and her home was spotless. I feel like I'd get along with her. Probably so. The first few years after the twins were born were rough on Clara, especially on her and David's marriage. Clara was trying to balance raising three children, running her dental practice, running their household, and sticking to her and David's five-year financial plan. And I can personally attest to how hard this is. I'm a full-time working mother of two kids, and trying to balance everything and give 100% at my job and at home with my kids is, frankly, exhausting. 
So I can definitely empathize with what Clara was likely feeling or going through. When I told my grandma I was starting a podcast, her response was, quote, as if you don't have enough on your plate, quote. <laughs> and I laughed, but she's right. But this podcast is something that I genuinely enjoy doing, so it never feels like a chore. Right. Anyway, back to the story. Feeling neglected by his wife after the birth of their twins, David began spending more and more hours at the office, often working late nights. Clara was fine with this because the extra money would help them achieve their five-year financial plan, which included owning all of their offices and being completely debt-free. That's a plan I can get behind. Right. In August of 2001, David hired a new receptionist for his office by the name of Gail Bridges. Not long after Gail started, she began giving David the attention he felt he was missing from his wife, and they began having an affair. David and Gail would spend time together at David and Clara's lake house, hotels, specifically the Hilton Hotel in Nassau Bay, where Clara and David were married. Okay, what? That is just rude. Obviously, cheating is never a good thing, but this just takes it to a whole new level. How are you going to cheat on your wife at the hotel right next to the country club where you got married? I don't mean to speak ill of the dead, but I'm going to anyway. This guy was a scumbag. Totally disrespectful. Right. Before long, David and Gail were not even trying to hide their affair, except from Clara and from David's 16-year-old daughter, Lindsay. But eventually, as it always does, the truth came out. One of the women working at David's office took Clara out to dinner and told her about the affair and that she needed to be aware that she may have a problem in her marriage that she needed to address. This was the first time Clara had any idea that there may be something wrong. Clara told Lindsay and she took Clara aside. Now, I don't mean to judge, but I'm not sure dragging Lindsay into this and forcing her to choose sides was the best move on Clara's part. Lindsay had to have been torn between loving her father and knowing that him having an affair was morally wrong. Like I said, I just don't agree with Clara telling a 16-year-old girl about her father's affair. Yeah, I'd have to agree. On the morning of July 17, 2002, Clara confronted David about Gail, and he admitted to the affair. Clara sat down with David and made a comparison, basically a pros and cons list, between herself and Gail. She made David tell her what he liked about Gail and why Gail was better than her. While researching this case, I told my husband about Clara making this comparison list, and he told me that it's something that I would make him do. Not sure what that says about me. Sis, it ain't worth it. Clara immediately dyed her hair blonde, scheduled a liposuction consultation, and began starving herself. And Clara quickly lost 15 pounds. Instead of getting angry when she found out about her husband's affair, Clara took it as a challenge. Sticking to what she knew, Clara outlined a quote-unquote business plan to win her husband back if I do A, B, and C, get my hair fixed, lose some weight, get a personal trainer, etc., he might come back to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, look, sis. You should not have to change who you are or how you look for anyone, much less a man. No, ma'am. If you want to change your hair and lose some weight, fine, but do it for yourself, not for a man. Mm-mm. At first, these changes Clara was making seemed to be working, and David told Clara that he wanted to leave Gail and end the affair. But Clara wasn't convinced. This brings us to July 23, 2002. Clara enlisted the help of the Blue Moon Detective Agency. She hired the agency to follow David and document everything that he was doing, 
especially if he went to any hotels. Clara wanted the agency to document any adultery. Even though David had confessed, Clara still needed to document any adultery for court purposes. In Texas, assets are required to be split 50-50 in a divorce, unless you can prove adultery. If you can prove adultery, you can request up to 90% of the assets. Take them to the cleaners. I did not know this until I started researching this episode, and you better believe if I was in Clara's situation, I would have done the exact same thing. You aren't going to cheat on me and still get half of our assets. No. Good for her. Savage. So, smart on her part. The agency assigned an agent to the case, and two days later, on July 25, 2002, Clara called to see how the case was going. The agency called her back and let her know that the case was going fine. The agent told Clara that David and Gail were at a hotel on the 4th or 6th floor. He told her that she'd get a full report the next afternoon. Clara already knew which hotel, and she wasn't going to wait until the next afternoon to get a full report. Clara got into her Mercedes with her 16-year-old stepdaughter, Lindsay, in tow and headed to the Hilton Hotel in Nassau Bay, Texas. Clara and Lindsay went to the front desk, and the person at the front desk told them that neither David nor Gail was registered with the hotel. Clara and Lindsay walked to the parking lot of the Hilton, where Clara found Gail's Lincoln Navigator. Clara then proceeded to vandalize Gail's vehicle. She keyed the vehicle, ripped the rear window wiper off, and bent the front window wipers. After vandalizing Gail's vehicle, Clara and Lindsay each called David and told him that one of the twins was sick and that he needed to come home. Clara and Lindsay went to the lobby of the hotel to wait for David and Gail. David and Gail walked out of the elevator in the lobby, arm in arm, David holding Gail like he used to hold Clara. And Clara lost her absolute mind. (laughs) Clara lunged, lunged at and attacked Gail. After Clara was pulled off of Gail, she somehow broke out and went back and bit Gail. (laughs) David intervened and wrestled Clara to the ground. Apparently, David held Clara's head to the ground while she struggled and fought and tried to get to Gail. Hilton security separated the physical altercation and then walked Clara out of the lobby of the hotel. Clara and Lindsay returned to her Mercedes. According to witness statements, Clara pulled out of her parking spot and sped towards Gail's navigator. Clara struck the navigator and David, causing David to fly approximately 25 to 30 feet across two grassy medians, which were about 25 feet apart. Clara then drove over both medians and ran over David again, all with Lindsay in the passenger seat. Jesus. At that point, authorities did not know if David was alive or dead. By 9.48 p.m., David was pronounced dead. According to his autopsy, some of David's lower teeth had been knocked out, his right collarbone, and six of his right ribs were broken. As Clara drove her car over David, at one point, the car was supported only by David's ribs. So his left ribs, one through ten, were all fractured, and the left side of his chest was essentially collapsed. Per medical examiners, the pattern and combination of David's external and internal injuries led them to conclude that David had been run over more than once. But, David's body only contained one set of tire tracks. Clara's defense and friends believed this fact proved that Clara did not run over David more than once. And, I tend to agree with this. The chances of the tires making the exact same tracks on David's body as he has run over numerous times seems pretty unlikely to me. But, I mean, I'm not an expert. 
According to one of the detectives from the Blue Moon Agency, once Clara ran over David, she got out of her car and grabbed David and picked him up and said, David, look at what you made me do. What the heck? Ooh, look what you made me do. <laughs> Good T-Swift reference there. Don't sue us, Taylor Swift. <laughs> the Blue Moon Detective Agency that Clara hired caught the whole thing on video. What? I'm pretty sure my jaw was on the ground when I read about this. So naturally, I went searching for the video, and I found it in a couple places online. Um, if you do a quick Google search of Clara Harris video, I'm pretty sure you can find it. But I really couldn't see anything. All I really saw was Clara's car speeding around the parking lot in circles a few times. I never saw Clara actually hit David with her vehicle. Even so, the video was the most important piece of evidence in Clara's trial. Now we're going to talk a little bit about Clara's trial and sentencing. Clara was immediately arrested and charged with first-degree murder. On January 22, 2003, Clara Harris went on trial. She was accused of intentionally mowing her husband down with her Mercedes. Clara's defense claimed that her intent was to ram Gail's car, not David. The defense's position was that she hit David, but she never ran over him. Clara testified in her own defense, which is something that we don't see too often. I found court documents online, so we're going to try and read some of Clara's testimony on the stand. Uh, Amanda, how about you read the part of the lawyer, and I'll read Clara's part. Okay. Defense counsel. At the time you intended to hit the navigator, did you know where David and Gail were? No. Did you see them at that time? No. As you rounded the corner? No. Did you intend to hit David with your car? No. Did it ever dawn on you that there might be people on the driver's side of the navigator as you rounded the corner to hit the automobile? No. Prosecutor. Did you hit David with the car? I didn't see hitting him with the car. I saw him running to the left and I kept looking at him running. Well, let me interrupt you because didn't you tell... You're telling us now that you didn't see that you had hit him? Yes. So you're saying when you first hit him, the initial impact, you're saying it's an accident, despite the fact that you told the police that you wanted to separate him from her and that you wanted to hurt him? You are now saying today in this courtroom that it was an accident, despite the statements that you made to the police. I know it was an accident. So I found that online and I just thought that was interesting because most of Clara's statements were the word no. She's just sticking to her story that she did not know she hit him and she did not mean to hit him. And it seems like her initial statement and her testimony was very contradicting. Right. And the prosecution also called David's daughter Lindsay to the stand to testify. Although Lindsay had originally taken Clara's side when she learned of the affair, after witnessing her father's death, even sort of being a party to it, being in the vehicle, Lindsay changed her mind. Lindsay testified that she could feel them running over her dad and that she could feel the car bump every time that they did. And as I said before, I found some court documents from the trial. So again, I want to read some of Lindsay's testimony this time. Amanda, will you read the lawyer's parts and I'll read Lindsay's? Prosecutor, when the defendant saw your dad standing next to the navigator with Gail Bridges, did she say anything? Yes. What did she say? I'm going to hit him. And when she said, I'm going to hit him, how did she say it? 
like that's what's going to happen. She was very determined. That's what was going to happen. That's what she was going to do. Defense counsel. And you mentioned that, and I think it was when Clara goes into the hotel after the elevator door opens, you described Clara Harris as she was evil. There was an evil look on her face? Yes. That was just a little excerpt of Lindsay's testimony, and it's pretty powerful with her saying that Clara was saying, I'm going to hit him, and saying that she said it like that was going to happen, and that she was determined. and Vindictive. Right, and... I can't even, that's crazy to me, because in that point in time, Lindsay had to know that her father was going to, at the very least, be severely injured and possibly die, and and she's powerless to stop it, because she's just a passenger. she's literally along for the ride. Literally, right, and there's nothing she can do. Unfortunately, it wasn't one of those driver's egg cars where there's another steering wheel and a brake. Right. During the trial, the assistant district attorney said, quote, If the man is cheating on you, you do what every other woman in this country does. You take him to the cleaners. You don't get to kill him, end quote. And I think by take him to the cleaners, she meant divorce him. And as we already discussed, Clara could have asked for up to 90% of the assets because she could prove adultery. While I can understand wanting to kill your husband for cheating, because I know I probably would want to, and part of me has the whole good for her vibe, But is it really worth it? Is it worth losing years of raising your children? Clara's twin boys were just three years old when she ran over their father. So they lost both of their parents at the same time. Their father was dead and their mother would spend most of her life in prison. Including most of their formative years. Right. The jury found Clara Harris guilty on Valentine's Day. What would have been her and David's 11th anniversary. (laughs) To me, this sort of feels like the universe delivering karma to Clara. Retribution, if you will. And once the verdict was read, Clara visibly broke down in tears. Clara Harris was sentenced to 20 years in prison and a $10,000 fine. The jury believed that Clara acted with, quote, sudden passion, end quote, and that there was no premeditation, so she received a lighter sentence. The sentence for intentional murder in Texas is five years to life. Murder in sudden passion carries a minimum penalty of just two years with a maximum of 20 years. So, even though it seems that Clara got off lightly with her 20-year sentence, she was sentenced to the maximum possible sentence for the crime of murder in Texas. And it's insane to me that the penalty for murder in sudden passion has a minimum of two years. So, you mean to tell me I can move to Texas murder my husband in sudden passion, and possibly get only two years? That's bananas. (laughs) The twins, who will be 21 years old next month, were in the custody of Clara's friend, Anna Jones, and her husband, and visited their mother on a monthly basis throughout her entire prison sentence. That's really sweet. At least she was still able to have some semblance of a relationship with her kids. Right. Following her husband's death, Clara requested a refund from the Blue Moon Detective Agency. What? Yes. And I actually found a news article with some audio from the Blue Moon Detective Agency that they released of a phone call from prison between Clara and I think the owner or one of the investigators the day after the murders where you can clearly hear her ask about getting a refund. And we'll play that audio now because I just thought it was really interesting. And you, you also get to hear Clara's really cool accent. 
removed from his safe. Try the ace. A recording few ears have heard. That's private investigator Bobby Basha 15 years ago on the phone with then client Clara Harris, who wanted video proof her husband was cheating. If you talked to her, you would not have known she had just murdered her husband. Basha says the former dentist was calm on the phone asking for a refund one day after she was charged for repeatedly running over her husband with her Mercedes. It was in the parking lot of the Hilton NASA Clear Lake where the PI spotted Mr. Harris with another woman. Did you plan on going to find him at the hotel when you hired us? I, I, we, no, I, no, no, I wanted to know what the conversation was going to be about. I never thought they were going to be going to the hotel. Basha denied the refund and informed Clara they were recording during the deadly accident and turned the tape over to police. Next, we're going to talk about the wrongful death suits that were filed against Clara Harris. The first, in 2004, Lindsay Harris, who is David's daughter and Clara's stepdaughter, filed a wrongful death lawsuit against her stepmother and was awarded about $2 million from her father's estate, as were her half-brothers. And Clara Harris retained $1.2 million in assets. Lindsay also filed suit against and sought damages from the Nassau Bay Hilton Hotel and the Blue Moon Investigations Detective Agency. The lawsuit stated that hotel management failed to provide effective security or notify police in time to prevent Harris's death, and Hilton failed to train its employees to deal with domestic disputes. Now, part of me tends to agree with that, but from everything that I've read, everything happened so fast. So I don't feel I think like it could have been de-escalated. Right, I, and I don't feel like police would have shown up even if they called police immediately. I don't think they would have shown up in time to prevent his death, like the lawsuit states. Right. I I just I don't know. I feel like any, everyone could use more training to deal with domestic disputes. I agree with that, but I just don't know that having that training or notifying police sooner would have changed anything. Right. Like when I was in 911, um, you know, those were the most um, the most uncertain calls. Like you, you get a call out of a domestic disturbance and you just don't know what you're going to go to. You don't know what frame of mind or state of mind they're in. You don't know if weapons are involved. You don't know. It goes from zero to 100 right. like that. And... Um, if you, if you actually hear about a lot of these um, officer line of duty deaths, a lot of these officers are ended up killed in a lot of domestic disputes. So Right, trying to respond to a domestic dispute. Right. The lawsuit also claimed that Blue Moon, which Clara Harris hired to photograph her husband with another woman, should not have told Clara Harris that the two were at the hotel. Instead, the lawsuit said, the company should have followed its own policy and waited a day to provide that information. I would definitely have to agree with that. Right. Because I can, had she not known, this would have never happened. 
Now, there is a chance that she could have just driven by, but they told they her, her exactly off. where they were. Well, not exactly, but she, I mean, well, if they would have never told her. You're right. They, I'm sorry. I misspoke. They didn't tell her exactly where they but were, but they knew. told her they were at a hotel, and, and she, she knew. knew which one it they was. They tipped her off, and she, I mean, any woman that's being done wrong is going to investigate and find out what they need to know. Right. That's just the nature of the game. Right. Not only did Lindsay sue Clara Harris for wrongful death, but David's parents also sued Clara, and the case went to trial in January of 2007. Gerald and Mildred Harris filed a wrongful death lawsuit against their daughter-in-law for loss of companionship, mental anguish, and loss of financial support. The Harrises contended that their son had promised to provide for them financially as they got older. The Harrises asked for about $5 million in the settlement. Jurors in State District Judge David J. Bernal's court deliberated for 10 hours over two days before reaching a unanimous verdict. In closing arguments, Dean Blumrosen, an attorney for Clara, urged the jury that consisted of six men and six women to show the same kind of compassion that the Harrises did towards their daughter-in-law in her criminal case. In the criminal case, Gerald and Mildred Harris asked the judge that she be given probation. This part blew my mind. How do you show such compassion for someone who murdered your son in cold blood? As a parent, I'm not sure I could have showed the same compassion to someone who mowed my son down like Clara did to David. But I guess the Harrises are just better people than me. Same. Joe Stevens, the attorney for Gerald and Mildred Harris, suggested jurors award Gerald Harris 77 a retired school administrator, and his wife, Mildred Harris, 73, each $2 million for their suffering and another $720,000 to pay for retirement home living should they need it. In the end, the jury awarded the Harrises $1.875 million each for their pain and suffering. Now we're going to talk about Clara's parole and release. Clara was first eligible for parole in 2012, but was turned down. Over the next five years, she was denied three more times. Members of David's family wrote letters to the parole board declaring that Clara didn't deserve mercy, that she should at least serve her full 20-year sentence and be released in 2023. But in 2017, Clara got a new parole attorney, Kevin Stewie of San Antonio. He came up with a new strategy, using her sons in an attempt to garner sympathy for Clara. At her parole hearing in October of 2017, Mr. Stewie brought her two sons, who were then 19 years old and attending universities in Texas. Clara's sons said that they had come to the prison every month for the last 15 years without fail to visit their mother. The twins acknowledged that they had lost their father, but at the same time, they had also lost their mother, whom they loved deeply, which is what I said earlier, that, you know, they lost both parents. Mm -hmm. According to the twins, they were victims twice over. Stewie's strategy worked. Claire was granted parole in November of 2017, allowing her to walk free five years before the end of her 20-year sentence for running over her husband. So she served 15 of her 20 years. Clara Harris, then 60 years old, was released from prison on May 11, 2018, so a little over a year ago. According to most sources that I saw, conditions of Clara's parole include the following. Gainful employment. And according to many articles, Clara will look for a job. 
According to her parole attorney, the company that runs the prison braille program has asked Harris to keep working once she returns to Houston. Because of her criminal record, she can no longer practice dentistry, so she will have to find work elsewhere. Clara is to have no contact with David's parents or David's daughter, Lindsay. Clara is subject to electronic monitoring via ankle bracelet. Clara must reside in legal county of residence, which is Galveston County in this situation. Clara must demonstrate sixth grade educational skill level, which hopefully she can do that. I mean, she was a dentist. dentist. And Clara is also subject to alcohol and controlled substance testing. And there's been no word yet on the status of her driver's license. Shade. I would think there would be some kind of stipulation where she's not allowed to have a license after you move somebody down. But who knows? Right. That's still to be determined. Not sure if she has one or not. According to a news outlet, Clara planned to live with a family friend upon her release because she's penniless and legally still owes her in-laws $3.75 million. Clara will remain on parole until February of 2023. She completely ruined her five-year financial plan. Let me just say that. Her five-year financial plan turned into a 15-year prison plan. <laughs> That's the case of the murder of David Lynn Harris. Thank you for listening to Homeside Homegirls. If you enjoyed today's episode, head on over to our Facebook page and leave us a review or rate us on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. If you want to be the first to know when an episode is released, make sure you subscribe to our podcast, follow us on Instagram at Homicide Homegirls, Facebook at facebook.com slash Homicide Homegirls Podcast, and Twitter at homegirlspod. If you would like to suggest an episode, use the form located on our Facebook page. Once a month, we plan to answer fan-submitted questions in a segment we like to call Hashtag Ask the Homegirls. So be sure to use the form on our Facebook page to submit your questions. 